When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Third and Central Podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Live from the burn, here's your host. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Third and Central Podcast, the only podcast dedicated solely to the University of Louisville baseball program. This is Matt Sefkovic, joined by Aaron Turner. Aaron, how's everything going out your way? Oh, we're doing pretty good. How's everything going out your way? It's good. I um, mean, you know, I was thinking the other day we're getting close to Thanksgiving, which means we're getting close to Christmas, which means we're getting close to January, which means we're getting close to February, which is when college baseball starts. So uh, it's right uh, around the corner. That sounds like a pretty good reasoning to me. You've heard of girl <laughs> math. You've heard of boy math. This is college <laughs> baseball math. That's it, listen. It'll be here before we know it. Um, the holidays are fun. We're gonna have a good time with our family. But what we're all actually looking forward to is college baseball, and it will be here before we know it. So tonight we are continuing our off-season diamond dialogues, and we've got somebody coming on tonight—a transfer from Wright State in Sebastian Gongora. He is a left-handed pitcher. That was the Horizon League Pitcher of the Year last year. Big time transfer. Division One baseball ranked him as the number thirty-one transfer in all of college baseball. He ended up picking Louisville. Um, had had some other places that he could have gone, um, SEC schools, um, but he chose to come here. Um, super excited to have him. He does have a win over Kentucky under his belt last year um, at Kentucky when he pitched for Wright State. But last year, like I said, he was pitcher of the league in the Horizon League. Uh, it was 10-1 and one with a 3.17 ERA. He threw 93 and two-thirds innings and recorded 89 strikeouts. So I think since the transfer portal has been around, he's the best player we've got through the portal. And I, 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 don't, think it's, I don't think it's particularly close. So just super excited to have him on tonight and kind of hear – how that process went for him and what he's excited about going forward with Louisville. Yeah, for sure. I'm super excited to to be able to talk to Sebastian here in a little bit. And, you know, everything that we saw in the fall from him, all signs point to locking him into probably a, a Friday or Saturday starter. So super excited to hear from him and, and hear what he has to say about the upcoming season. Yeah, I think when you look at last season, and we've talked about this, you've got Carson Liggett coming back. He was your end of the season Friday night guy. 
and you've got Sebastian Gongora. He's going to be probably your Friday or Saturday guy this year. I think when you look at your one-two punch of those two guys, I think they really set you up this year that we can win, you know, any weekend because you've got two really solid guys throwing on Friday and Saturday. So we'll dive into that here in just a little bit. But I did want to cover something before we get too far along, and that's the stadium upgrades. You know, we've we've talked about that and talked about that till we're blue in the face and <clears throat> we're waiting for the upgrades to come for Louisville. I know they've started at Jim Patterson Stadium, so don't have a ton of updates, but things are in progress. But the climate of college baseball is what gets me more excited than anything, and that's just because what we have seen around the country when it comes to other schools that are announcing upgrades. And I think this is an opportunity that Louisville has to really invest in the program. Just kind of look around at some of the other schools. Western Kentucky University, just down the road, they just announced a 120,000-square-foot new state-of-the-art facility that's going to include some baseball clubhouses. It's going to have a new locker room, batting cages, a team room, coaches' offices. There's other sports that are going to be in there as well, but baseball is getting a good chunk of that 120,000 square foot. You look at Tennessee, they are doing a $100 million, yeah, that's correct, a $100 million renovation to their baseball stadium. It's going to increase their capacity to 76, I think 7,700. 1600 that is standing room, but they're getting into the player development arena, which is big right now. We'll touch on that here in just a little bit. They're adding some new gates, more concession stands, restrooms, premium seats. Iowa in the Big Ten, they're adding, uh, they're doing a $20 million renovation to increase their capacity to 3000 increasing game day experience for fans. I think the biggest thing about Iowa that stands out and Aaron, you and I have talked about this for months now, is the Big Ten right now, if one school would step up and really invest in their program, I think they could become a sleeping giant because you don't really have anybody up there that is – they just don't care about baseball. And I understand there's cold weather and there's snow and all that, but if just one team would show that they cared, (laughs) they could win the league every year. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's there's a lot of teams that have emerged in the Big Ten recently. You had a great run from Michigan. Iowa is now investing all this money, and Iowa has what looks like a top ten pick this year in the form of Brody Brecht. You've got Indiana. That's always a good program. Nebraska had a pretty good year last year, put out a number of draft picks. I think the Big Ten is starting to trend in the direction that the rest of, of the Power Five conferences are starting to go. I think there's still a lot of work that has to be done, and there are a few schools in the Big Ten that probably never will be good just because of, of the cold weather factor. You know, your Michigan states, your Minnesotas will never be great programs, but, you know, in my opinion, I don't think there's many excuses for for the other programs to not take that step forward with the rest of the country. Yeah, and I think you're spot on. And I understand from a business standpoint, everybody knows that baseball is a non-revenue generating sport at 99.9% of the schools. Yeah, you have your Arkansas and LSUs and Mississippi States and Ole Miss that'll turn a profit sometimes. 
but they don't even turn a profit every year. So I understand that. But when you do have schools that are making these enhancements and improvements to their stadium, you, you have to keep up with the Joneses. It's just part of it. And these aren't all schools that are above us. Tennessee, they're probably they're in the SEC. So, you know, they're, they're a, a lateral school. They haven't had as much success as we have over the last 10 or 15 years, but Tennessee's a good program. Western obviously is below us. Iowa, obviously in the Big Ten, we've just talked about, they don't really have anybody that stands out. But then if you look at John A. Logan Junior College, which we get a lot of players from, that's, that's a, a junior college that Coach McDonald has recruited very well. They are opening in May of 2024, a 12,000-square-foot facility with hitting and pitching labs and new locker rooms. So it's even trickling down to some of the JUCO um, colleges. And But the biggest thing that sticks out to me about that is the, the pitching lab. And, Aaron, I know you're a big analytics guy, and you love that stuff. It's, and when I have questions about it, I go to you because you understand a lot more than I do. What does that do and what is the impact you think for colleges that have these pitching labs? We saw Wake Forest, you know, every time they played a game on television last year, all they talked about was this pitching lab. But what, what does that mean? If you're a player, wh why is that enticing to you? First of all, I, I think it's awesome to see John A. Logan get those upgrades because, you know, there's a lot of people who, and you know, you know, we've talked about this a lot, but a lot of people look down on junior college baseball. But, you know, for if you ever wanted to take a deep dive into it, Johnny Logan puts out more big leaguers than a lot of power five teams do. They, they're a very impressive junior college and and you know, it's kind of, a, you know, starting to become a trend in junior college as a whole to see those upgrades. So that's super exciting. But going back to the pitching labs, it is incredible and you know i've had the opportunity to i'm currently working in one right now here in st louis and and we've had a number of partner schools that that i've been able to to work hands-on with a little bit and and being able to see everything play out live you know not only are you you know you're looking at your mechanics but also how you move your biomechanics your pitch grip design there's so much that goes into the science of of baseball now, and especially on the pitching side, there's just so much data available. And if you go to a school that is able to either have a um, pitching lab at their facility or takes advantage of third-party companies that come in and, and do their assessments for them, it, it's hard not to get better. You know, the, I believe, I really do believe that schools that do that take advantage of those types of opportunities those are the schools that that do have the better pitching staffs come come the spring. So it it's super exciting to see how how that's impacting the game. And, and you know, I'm would look for a lot more schools to begin to to invest in those types of things. So for people that don't fully understand maybe how like these pitching lab type things work, let's let's say a company comes in and they analyze their their players and gather all this data. How does the school then, the coaching staff and the players, what, what do they do with this information to improve to take the next step? I mean, to be honest, you know, in, in my experience over the last few months, being able to work hands-on with it, there's a lot of colleges, a lot of college coaches that simply don't understand the data 
that's given to them. So that's a lot of having guys in place by the third party who, who do know what the data means and how to implement that data, you know, in a way to break that data down where it's very easy to understand for these coaches to put their reports together for the pitchers and know how to, you know, how to either move better or gain velocity or uh, work on pitch design, whatever that specific pitcher may need to do. Um, but I think that there is a lot of a lot of growth that needs to take place among college coaches and, and understanding this data because quite frankly, that it's just not quite there yet. But you know, in the next five or ten years, as it starts to get a little bit more common to have these things in place at, at universities, then you'll see those college coaches catch up to that. I also think a fascinating part of this too is you've got let's take coach McDonald for example, and we're not picking on him. Obviously he's won a boatload of baseball games, been to five college world series, but there's been a lot of changes over in college athletics over the past couple of years, you know, transfer portal, NI, all that stuff. And then you throw in this whole analytics piece that, you know, he's been around baseball longer than I've been alive. Right. But between his playing days and coaching days, and they've never done this stuff before. You just get up there and you throw the ball and you get up there and you hit the ball. Now it's they've broken it down so much more and it's so detailed that is it something that these the older coaches that have been around for a long time just have never had to use before? Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of those those older coaches that have been around for a while, it's just I think that a lot of them really do try to embrace it and they just don't know how to embrace it. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that as, as the game continues to grow, um, and you have more technology available to you, more data than, than ever before, and you see how it works for other people, it's almost hard not to implement it yourself. And it definitely is a big learning curve for coaches to be able to understand that. But once you can kind of figure, figure out that data and and how, it applies to your guys, then it just makes everybody that much better. Yeah. And it's just so good to hear that these, you know, these schools around the country are investing the the money into the baseball program and into the, the analytics and the, the locker rooms and the facilities and everything for these baseball guys. So it, it's really good to see and glad to see that Louisville's finally taking that step forward. I've just gotten a lot of questions about it. Lately, so I want to address that, you know, things are moving. It's just, it's taking time. You know, everything in construction right now is, it's taking time. Costs have skyrocketed. So um, hopefully we'll start to see some more movement on that soon. But just glad to see that the sport in general across the country at all levels is, it just continues to grow at a rapid rate. So it's just, just good to see. The last thing I want to touch on before we hop into our interview and invite Sebastian in because we just had the national signing day for uh, various sports and baseball was one of them. And, you know, signing day isn't, it's not what it used to be. You know, you don't sit around and wait for those faxes anymore. Like, you know, that's how um, back when you follow national signing day, it was a big event and all that stuff, but it, it just seems like it's gotten watered down, but that doesn't take away from the class that Louisville signed. They just signed the 19th best class in the country. The if you look down the list, there's a couple of guys on the uh, in this class that I think are going to be really really good. A couple of guys we could possibly lose to the draft just because they're they're ranked that high. 
it kind of depends on how they're going to do with the combine because I'm sure many of them will get invited. Uh, Tag Davis, he's a left-handed pitcher from Pennsylvania. I think we've gone down that road before with a left-handed pitcher from Pennsylvania. And I don't know. I, I think it worked out pretty well. Uh, what, what's his name? Brendan McKay, something like that. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's slipping my mind, but something like that. Yeah. yeah so so if, if uh, Tag Davis, I'm sure he's listening. Um, if he could um, – just replicate what Brendan did. That would be great. Um, Colin Mowry, catcher from Illinois. Coach McDonald's always recruited Illinois extremely well, especially with Coach Snyder on staff too, because he's from there. Uh, Jake Greger, who we had on not too long ago, pitcher from St. X, transferred down to IMG, but he's from Louisville. Thomas Bly, uh, big third baseman from Florida. Jack Brown, he's from Fishers, Indiana, uh, right-handed pitcher. Kid looks like he's about 25 years old right now. I'm really excited about him. I think he can um, come in and be an impact guy from the beginning. Uh, and then another one, Cole Crafton. He's a shortstop from Illinois. He's a, a two-sport a two athlete, a big-time quarterback. Took a couple visits on the recruiting trail. Um, I don't think he ever got any huge offers, but did have some D1 offers to play football my memory serves correct, but he ended up signing and he's going to um, stick with his commitment to Louisville and play baseball. So some it, the class is um, – it's a big class, uh, a lot of local guys in it too. Brady Davis, he is the younger brother of Jackson Davis, who played here a couple years ago. He's at Johnny Logan right now, transferred out there after uh, – played a year at Louisville. So Brady Davis, he's in the class. He's a right-handed pitcher. Uh, I believe he plays for – Clark County Jackson played at LCA but anyways there's a lot of good talent in this class Aaron who of those guys that I list I I list the you know top eight or ten in the class who are you most excited about of that group Uh, I'll rattle off a a few here first of all it's hard not to be excited about Jake Greger you ever not seen him throw he looks like a grown man on the mound that's not that's not a 17 18 year old kid that is a grown Man, really hope that we can keep him um, at Louisville. You know, you never know how things are going to shape up with the draft. I'm hopeful that we can keep him. You just never know, though. Um, really excited about Cole Crafton. You know, there was a time where I thought maybe he might entertain football. He did get some Division One football offers. Uh, super good athlete. I love the bat. Really think that he can have an impact pretty early on in his time in Louisville. And then kind of a, a sneaky pick that we didn't really – talk too much on is Alex Gay, who's kind of down a little bit further down on the rankings, but don't let that fool you because he's still up to 92 on the mound and he's another big kid. You know, he's I believe he's at what six five. Uh, he's also down at IMG Academy right now. So those are just the three guys that, that really stick out to me. But once again, I, I think that this is just another great class from, from McDonald and, and the coaching staff. I'm glad you bring up Alex Gay because, like you said, he's at IMG down um, down south with Jake Greger, and they don't just take anybody down there. Like he not he may not be highly ranked if you look at the class rankings and all that, but the fact that he has gotten in to IMG and he's playing baseball down there, kid could play. So don't let the rankings fool you. Another one, if you look down the list in this class, is Jake Schweitzer from um, here in Louisville, also. Shortstop from Trinity, that kid can play. I know 
perfect game doesn't have him ranked as high, but I know PBR does. Depends on which ranking you look at. Um, you know, Aaron, you've been in this game long enough too. You understand. You know, you have to go to the tournaments to get ranked. So it just depends on where you go. So that, that that's how this stuff works. So and and that's with any sport. That's not baseball. That's that's it's just recruiting high school. It, it's hard to look at all these kids, and if they aren't at this tournament where you're scouting, you you can't see them. So. It just depends on where they are and if they're getting seen and who they're getting seen by. So when you look at the class and you see that it's ranked 17th, um, I, I don't think that's anything you have to worry about. Coach McDonald they, and Roger Williams and Eric Snyder, you know, they, they recruit guys and they develop guys. That's what they've done for going on 17 years. That's what they're going to continue to do. So I'm super excited about this class. I think it's very deep. Again, like last year, we signed everybody in that class. That's unheard of in baseball. It's not super top-heavy, so I don't think you have to risk losing too many guys, uh, which is good. If you can have a situation where you get, you know, 90 95% of them on campus, you call that a win if you've got, a you know, a top-20 class in the country. For sure, yep. So that's all we've got. So as promised, we're going to go ahead and continue with our off-season diamond dialogues as we're joined by Sebastian Gongora. Sebastian, I know this is a busy time with classes and practice and Omaha challenge ramping up, which we'll get into here in just a little bit. Uh, we just wanted to first just thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule to join us tonight and talk a little bit about your path to Louisville and talk about Louisville baseball a little bit. Yes, thank you guys for having me. It's an honor to be on here with you guys. Yeah, we appreciate it. Um, kind of first, just want to jump in. We've we've kind of talked about your time at Wright State a little bit to let everybody know kind of where you come from and all that good stuff. So I want to I do want to talk about your time there with the Raiders. You had a, two really good years on the mound there. Do you have a specific moment or a specific you know, time that stands out to you during your time at Wright State that, you know, kind of when you look back on your career there that that sticks out as kind of like your, I guess, your favorite and the biggest moment you have there? Mm, that's a good question. Um, had a lot of fun there on the mound. Um, but even though we didn't win the game, it was probably – um, my very last start that I made as a Raider, it was in the Indiana State Regional. I was pitching in the opening game against Indiana State and um, threw pretty well. But like I said, even though we lost, that was probably the most memorable um, time pitching I had in, in a Raiders uniform just because of, of how big the game was and and uh, how much it meant to me. And um, But... Yeah, other than the fact that we lost, I had a I had a really good day that day. So <laughs> I say I know I've seen the stats for the game and I don't have them pulled up exactly on the top of my head, but I remember one of the guys, if I remember correctly, it was Burke Ranger was from D one baseball was covering that regional. Mm. And I I remember him um putting some tweets about, about your numbers that game. So uh, I I, yes. I remember following it. Yes. Yes, I do I do remember that, yeah. So Sebastian, you're kind of at a little bit of a unique time for college baseball and Kind of want to go further back before Wright State. You graduated high school in the middle of a pandemic. What did COVID really do for your baseball career? And you know, kind of tell us about how that may have impacted any decision making for ending up at Wright State or eventually even at Louisville. 
Yeah, so it's kind of crazy you bring that up. I wasn't even committed to Wright State um, before the pandemic even hit. I was committed to Sinclair Community College, a, uh, a JUCO. Um, I would decided I was going to go the JUCO route. And after the pandemic hit in March of 2020, I was um, just chilling at home playing Fortnite with my buddies like everybody else was. And um, Steve Dinneman, who was the head coach at Sinclair at the time, um, texted all of us and told us that we had an emergency meeting. And when we all got on the meeting, he told us that um, the president of Sinclair had actually shut down all athletics for the school. So I didn't have a place to go play baseball anymore. And this was, you know, about two and a half, three months before I had to be on campus to start my collegiate career. So I was scrambling, basically had to go through the whole recruiting process again. And with that being said, I mean, the pandemic pretty much led me to Wright State. Um, I ended up walking on a Wright State. And because, I mean, that was the only thing that they had. I mean, nobody, no other D1 programs had openings that late into the recruiting process. I mean, um, pretty much every single D1 program has their recruiting class figured out, you know, years ahead before they even get there. So it was, it was, it was definitely a shakeup and, and uh, definitely went through some adversity, but um, like I said, ended up at Wright State and, and um, spent my first three years there. So a couple of things I want to follow up with that. First off, I think that's a really cool story, you know, from, um, thinking you're going to JUCO to walking on D1 and now you end up at, you know, one of the premier programs in the country. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, th I just think that's a, that's a really cool story that I hadn't heard before. So yeah. kudos to you for working your butt off to get where you are. And then second thing I want to touch on is you talked about going JUCO and this is something that Aaron and I talk about on our podcast quite a bit is, you know, a lot of high school kids these days don't think it's okay to go the JUCO route. But if you look Absolutely. at the if you look at the success that you know Coach McDonald's had here at Louisville, and not just him, you know coaches all over the country at big time programs, you know they rely on a lot of guys from JUCO. So um, I just think it's a testament to to JUCO ball that you know these kids can go that route and end up playing on the big stage later on in their career. Yeah, I completely agree with that, and I think that you know I didn't have any problem going the juco route obviously i would have liked to go d1 and i and i i chose to go the juco route over some of the other d1 opportunities that i had but i went the juco route because you know i put things into perspective a little bit like would i rather go somewhere and play immediately and have a chance to get better and play a lot more compared to as if i was going to a big D1 program where I would probably get lost a little bit with all the guys that they had. Um, but it was just a, a good decision career-wise. And and even though, again, like I, I ended up at Wright State still, um, it was it was still just like a no-brainer just because of the opportunity. And, and Sinclair was a really, really good JUCO program. I mean, they were um, pretty consistently top 10 in the country and – and um, they were always competing for a national championship. So it was like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to go there and, and play for them. And um, I mean, like even, even today on our team, we have, we have a bunch of Juco guys on our team. So it's like, um, I hate 
the narrative that is kind of pushed today that's like well if, if you don't go do you want out of high school like you're probably not going to make it like no there's multiple ways that guys can can make it and, and can succeed you know there's there's ball players all across the country and all divisions and all in all uh conferences and um I mean, even you can see it even at Wright State. At Wright State's a mid-major and competing against, I mean, every single year um, I was there, you know, we would always open up the year against top top opponents. Like last year, we, you know, we went down to Kentucky, who was a super regional team, and then Arkansas as well, and played them and played good against those guys. So, I mean, anybody can do it anywhere, you know what I mean? It's the t- talent's everywhere across all divisions. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because it's something that we talked about, but actually hearing it for somebody that's, you know, played Division One baseball to um, high level. It, it's good to hear that. Um, you know, you all see it the same way too. And I, I wish that some of these high school kids would kind of understand that and know that they don't have to chase that the biggest school. That you know, that's it's something they could experience down the road if they, you know, spend a year or two at a JUCO. So I think that is uh, definitely definitely a good thing. I do want to switch gears a little bit here and talk about the transfer portal which is, you know, it's new for everybody, for coaches, fans, players. What was that experience like for you? And I guess two-part question, what was it about Louisville that made you decide to come here? Yeah, so first off, um, it was a crazy, crazy couple weeks. I was only in the portal for probably about two weeks, but um, – it was it was crazy. As soon as my name got in there officially, and it was kind of posted and put out there that I was in the portal. I mean, I was getting DMs and calls and texts um, that whole time from coaches wanting to talk and and wanting to wanting to FaceTime and wanting to you know Zoom like this and just um, wanting to talk about their program and. And so it was, it was a crazy, crazy time. Again, it was like going through the whole recruiting process again. And I'm hearing, you know, all these coaches and their pitches as to why I should come play for them. And, and so it was, it was crazy. And I remember that first day I was in the portal, coach Williams gave me a call and we were probably on the phone for a good hour or so. Um, and after we got off the phone, I could tell that I was really getting along with him and just talking to him on the phone. Like he sounded like a guy who was understanding of where I was coming from and what I wanted to accomplish. And the he understood why I was entering the portal. And I felt like just off of a phone call, like he's going to be, someone that I should really consider working with throughout this process. And I ended up going on a visit to Louisville. I got down here and, and had a full day of, of activities and getting to know um, Louisville and, and um, the baseball staff and whatever, what everything was and what we had to offer. And um, with the resources that, that we have down here and, and the coaches, like I said, like, after working this fall with coach Williams, like there's no doubt in my mind that I made the right decision. Um, and after being around coach Mack and, and being around him as a leader, um, he's been one of the best leaders that I've ever been around. 
And it's so cool to watch him lead the group of guys that we have. And we haven't even played a real game yet, you know, just through practices and stuff. It's been really cool to see. And all the work that I've done with Coach Williams, it's it's that's been a lot of fun too. But, you know, the resources that we have from strength training and, and nutrition and the, the education here, it was – it all just added up in the end and looking back at it and um, then looking forward to where it's at, where I'm at now. It's like, all right, it's everything that I thought it was going to be. And even more too, to be honest with you, like it's, I'm having so much fun here and I, I there's no doubt in my mind that I made the right decision. That's awesome to hear. I think we need to record that. And anytime we have somebody looking next year, just, just play that as our elevator speech. To get <laughs> it's a transfer. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> glad that was your experience that you've had so far. So Sebastian, you know, being at Wright state Raiders played in a lot of big games in your time there and some pretty fun environments. College baseball is growing like it's never grown before. And, you know, when you come to Louisville, kind of the expectation is you are going to play in big games, you know, conference championships, super regionals, Omaha even. Um, you know, what what environments have you been in, in you know, at Wright State? Um, you know, maybe at that Arkansas uh, series that we talked about or the Terre Haute regional last year, what kind of environments have, have prepared you to kind of make that jump to ACC baseball? Yeah, so I think I got redshirted my freshman year, so I didn't play any of my freshman year, but I did get to travel for the those first couple series. And we opened up, I remember we opened up against Vanderbilt and it was there was some bad weather, so we ended up playing one day doubleheader. And game one starter for Vanderbilt was Kumar Rocker, who you guys might know. And then the game two starter was Jack Leiter. You guys might also know. So facing those two back to back, like 30 minutes apart was, was pretty tough. And um, that was a really cool environment, even though I didn't get to play and I got to experience it. And then we went down to Alabama as well, which was also a really cool environment. Um, but then my, the next year, my technically my freshman year, um, I was the Sunday starter and my first ever time um, pitching collegiately was against the um the georgia tech uh that georgia tech team so that was that was a really cool environment and they had a really good team that year um so pitching against them my first ever collegiate outing was um definitely it was a lot of fun and it was it was um pretty what's the word i'm looking for it it was the environment seemed like a lot, but once I got up there and started throwing, I, I it ended up being a lot of fun and I threw well. Um, and then we also played Oklahoma State. Um, they had a really good team that year. That was a cool environment as well. And then obviously, probably the one the best environment I've ever been in was when we went down this most recent year and played Arkansas because um, it, it was it was warm down there and. It, like every single fan that they have is like a diehard Arkansas fan. And we would pull up to the field like three hours before the game and they already had people tailgating and, and outside the, the gates waiting to get in. So that was really cool. And then obviously, like you said, the Indiana State Regional was super fun too. But 
um, I've been pitching in those environments my whole life. Um, and I think if anything, those have really prepared me to pitch in the ACC. Um, I'm the type of pitcher where, you know, no situation is too big for me. Um, nothing really rattles me when I'm on the mound. I'm, I'm pretty even keel and I, I feel like I can, I can handle any situation that's thrown at me. And I think that's definitely one of my strengths. So I think that'll only benefit me um, pitching in big games for, for the Cardinals this year. Yeah. I think, uh, I think seeing Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter back to back in about half an hour makes you pretty thankful <laughs> that, that you're a pitcher. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was, it was, um, I felt bad for our hitters, but as a, as a freshman watching two future first round picks, just absolutely carve our lineup. That was that was pretty fun. That was pretty fun to watch. Not gonna lie. So, <laughs> I will say when it was announced that you were first transferring here, uh, I was like, "Oh, I, I got to go check out his stats. I got to you know got to go learn about this guy." And I remember one of the first things I saw in your bio at Wright State was that you won a game at Kentucky, and I was like, "Oh, he, he's already going to fit in. This is going to be perfect." <laughs> That's right. That's right. I know that was. That was one of the first things I thought of too. I know I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was like, oh, this is going to work out perfectly. I already, I already beat the Kentucky Wildcats, so I feel, I feel like, I feel like it's almost meant to be. <laughs> uh, so this past summer, you actually uh, had the chance to attend the MLB Draft Combine, which is something that's just been around for a couple of years. It's fairly new. What was that experience like for you, and what were your biggest takeaways from that? It was it was a really cool experience, and what made it even cooler was the fact that it was in Arizona. Um, you guys don't know this, but I actually grew up playing baseball in Arizona, and um, I have a lot of friends there and a lot of family there. So going back there and seeing all that made it even better. But the experience was super cool. Um, obviously, it was held at the at Chase Field where the D backs play. So. Um, getting to throw on that mound there was 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 really sick, and they treated us super well too. Um, I threw my bullpen on the field; that was a lot of fun. I had some meetings too, but then um, also just being around um, all all the dudes that were there. You know, there's so many guys that that are just amazing, and um, are going to be playing in the, in the big someday. So being able to be around them, I met a lot, a lot of cool dudes there. And I, you know, kind of like we were just hanging out, eating, just, you know, chopping it up, talking about baseball. And, and so that was really cool. And I, and I, I wish that I would have known that I was going to Louisville before I got there because I would have known that some of our freshmen were there. And I'm sure you guys knew this, but we had, we had some, some freshmen there, there, Parker Detmers, Colton Hartman and, and uh, uh, George Baker, Zion Rose, they were all there. So um, had I known that, you know, we had those guys there, I definitely would have introduced myself and gotten to meet them. But um, no, like I said, it was a super cool experience. And um, it's in a cool place, amazing city. And um, so, yeah, super fun time. All right, so we're going to switch gears here a little bit. We've talked a lot of baseball, and uh, we'll get back to the baseball talk here in a second. But outside of baseball, what have you gotten to experience about the city of Louisville so far? Uh, and then, you know, kind of on top of that, uh, what have been some of your favorite restaurants, especially that that you've been to in Louisville up to this point? 
Oh, that's great. Um, so aside from baseball, baseball takes a lot of our time, obviously. And we're, we're, we've been in the thick of baseball for multiple months now. And, and once we get done with the Omaha challenge here, we'll be, we'll have a little bit of time off to relax, but outside of baseball, man, like, um, the football games have been awesome. Wright state doesn't have a football team. So being able to go and, and tailgate and, and watch some football and, and um, have a team that I could call my own um, and watch them and root for them has been super, super cool. Um, but obviously, like, all the outside events that, that Louisville has, like, uh, FCA has been really fun. I've really enjoyed that. Um, and um, just getting to be around, like, an actual college town has been super fun. Um, and being able to go out and see some of the, some of the, um, things that Louisville has to offer has been really cool. But, um, restaurant wise, I've actually been really surprised at how many Mexican restaurants there are here. Um, I'm, I'm Mexican and living in Arizona, you'd expect there to be a lot of Mexican restaurants and there are, but it's crazy. Like, I don't think I've been, ever been in a place with, like this many Mexican restaurants in one place. It, it blew my mind. It was like, there's more Mexican restaurants here than I think anything else. So um, I really like going to um, Las Margaritas right next to the field. Um, El Nepal has been, been pretty good. Um, I keep getting this Italian place called Little Sicily. I think that's the name of it. Um, and then if I want some like, some more American style food. I'll go to, oh, what's it called? Is it, I might, is it called rallies? It's a place where coach Mac does his podcast at. Is, it, is that what it's called? I don't know where he does it. Honestly, that wouldn't surprise yeah. me if it was at a rallies or something like that, but I, I'm not a hundred percent sure where no, it is. No, it's, it's not, it's not rallies. It's, uh, is it roosters? No, it's not roosters. Roosters is a fabulous restaurant. Have you been there yet? Yes, I've been to Roosters. They there's a bunch of Roosters in Ohio. So, oh yes, they um, are. Have you yeah, been to Fuji on campus? Ohio. I'm sure. I know Fuji. Oh right yeah, it's Fuji. Fuji's amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I am happy you bring that up. <laughs> it, I was, that I was place, waiting for that you place to say is it. so good. That place is so good. <laughs> I say yeah, every I, Louisville um, student ever. That's like their favorite restaurant. So I, I figured it was going to come up in the conversation at some point in time. Yes. Yes, I think if I were to like, I probably eaten at Las Margaritas the most, and then Fuji's probably second. Um, El Nepal's probably third, and then the Italian place, Little Sicily, is probably fourth. You can't go wrong with any of those, right? Uh, so like, we'll kind of jump back into a little bit of baseball. Um, I would say at this point in time, you probably had the opportunity to face most of the Louisville hitters between the inter-squad scrimmages and the pizza bowl. Who are a couple of guys that when they step in the box, they're toughest for you to get out. Maybe you just, you just, when they step in the box, you know, you're going to battle with them. Mm. I think the dude that gave me the most competitive at bats this fall was honestly my roommate, Dylan Hoy. Um, he's, he's a, a fifth year transfer from Marist. He, Every single AB we had was like 
eight or nine pitches. I would always get him to like one, two, and then he would just start fouling pitches off. Like we we probably had a 10 or 11 pitch AB where I just kept throwing heaters in there and he just kept fouling them off. And it was it was pissing me off. Um, and we, we had a couple ABs like that. But him, um, I've had some really good ABs against uh, Gavin Keelan. He's always he's always a tough out. Um, Eddie King gave me some good abs this fall too, and the only run that I gave up this fall was against um, Brandon Anderson. He had a solo home run off of me, um, and uh, he's a really good hitter. So I'd say I'd say that those four guys gave me the toughest time this fall. I'm glad you bring up Dylan Hoy because you know he's a guy that you know, like yourself, uh, a transfer, we haven't gotten to see a ton of except in some of the pizza bowl um, and scrimmages and things like that. So I'm glad you bring him up because he's one that Aaron and I've been talking about quite a bit because there's just not a whole lot out there on him. So um, to hear that he's, you know, out there battling and every, everything we've heard, he's just a, a tough competitor. He's, you know, fierce on the field, covers a ton of ground. So um, you're just the next person in line that has mentioned Dylan Hoy as somebody that has stood out to them. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what he's got this upcoming season. Yeah. And, and like I said, he's my roommate, so we've gotten pretty close and I absolutely love the dude on and off the field. Um, he's a jokester and, and uh, he, he like, he, he works super hard. He's one of the hardest workers I know. He's going to be a team captain. Um, and um, we just, we just get along really well. And, and uh yeah i mean he's he's an absolute dog on the field um he's one of the smoothest infielders i've ever seen and and um yeah he's a real he's a real competitor at the plate as well um so i'm i'm really excited to see to see what he does in the spring i'd say between him and keelan up the middle i'm really excited because if, if those two guys can cover ground like people say they can i don't think there's going to be anything getting through the middle Absolutely. And I, I mean, as, as a pitcher, you know, it gets me pumped up to to know that those guys are behind me covering the middle of the infield. Um, just because, you know, when when I watch them during uh, their practices and stuff, when they're feeling ground balls and turning double plays, it's like a work of art. You know, it's, it's beautiful watching those two up the middle and doing what they do just because they're so fundamentally sound. And like I said, as a pitcher, it makes me so confident to go out there and, and uh, let my defense work behind me. So we've kind of touched on this already, but kind of give us an, an introduction to who you are on the mound, you know, what your style of pitching is, your your style of game, and then kind of on top of that, are there any professional pitchers that you either grew up watching or you're currently watching that you like to emulate your game after? So me as a as a pitcher, I'm a I'm a bulldog and and I think if you just look at my body language um, you'll see that I, I carry myself like that. And I like to just go and attack guys. I think that I, I really try to formulate my game off of playing offense, you know, uh, uh, on defense. And I think that having that mindset as a pitcher just lets me go and attack guys and, and get as many outs as I can. I've been, I've been known as a dude throughout my college career to just, eat innings and and I think that's something I'm really good at is just going out there and, and getting a lot of outs and 
and pitching for as long as I can. And um, I think that that's worked out really well for me so far. And I've been able to put my team in, in a position to win games whenever I'm out there. And, and so, like I said, um, being a bulldog, but um, having, having a fire inside of me and pitching like, like I have a chip on my shoulder and that I've been disrespected is, is something that um, I really try to keep in mind when I'm throwing just because um, you can't be out there on the mound scared or, or fearing, you know, whoever's in the box, especially in a conference like the ACC where, you know, every team has a really good lineup and, and every team has at least a couple dudes who, who can really play. So I think having that in mind and taking that into the spring is going to be, is going to be huge for me. And um, growing up, I obviously watched a lot of Clayton Kershaw. My dad would always um, throw on those games whenever he would start just because, um, I mean, what what lefty doesn't look up to Clayton Kershaw, you know what I mean? So I've been watching him for a while. Um, but more more recently, I, I've really, really liked how uh, Max Freed has thrown on the Braves. Um, I, he's a really good one to watch, and he's got a good curveball and, um, so those are, those are two guys that I I really pay attention to these days, just because um, you know those those two guys don't don't throw the hardest, and um, but you know they have everything else kind of like kind of like me. You know I don't I don't throw the hardest, but um, I can I spot up and and I got good secondary, so um, I definitely learned how to pitch watching those guys. I think that's one thing that, and you talked about Coach Williams quite a bit earlier. You know, that's one thing that's he's he's big on is fundamentals, which you you've been around long enough to know that. So if, if you can, you know, throw strikes and spot the ball, you don't have to throw a hundred mile an hour to be successful. You know, he we've we've seen a lot of pitchers come through here that um, aren't the birdie brothers that are hitting you know hundred miles an hour that are out on the outfield wall because they're an all American. So that that you don't have to throw hard. Um, to be successful um, as a pitcher in college or in the major league for that matter. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this fall, you know, I was, I was throwing um, mid nineties, which is, is pretty good for college, but I mean, it's not, again, it's not like the hundreds you see from some of these other guys and some of the guys in the pros, but um, yeah, like you said, like I take a lot of pride in being able to spot the ball and, and um, throw my fastball where I want it and um, throwing my secondaries where I want it to because ultimately, you know, if you have three or four pitches that you can put wherever you want, I mean, guys are really going to have no shot against you. And like you touched on this earlier, if you got such a good defense behind you, you know, throw strikes, put the ball over the plate, let the guys behind you make plays. That's what they're there for. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. And I mean – you know, it's not it's not just Hoy and, and Keelan up the middle. You know, it's the it's the outfield that we have too, um, with Benson King and and Isaac Humphrey. You know, all those guys are can track balls down and and um, they're fun to watch in practice too. You know, during BP, I mean, they're all out there taking reps and seeing them um, track a fly ball down and make catches on the wall. It's all again, it's just further evidence and um, further encouragement as to you know, why I'd be so excited to go out there and throw and let those guys work. For sure. 
I do want to flip the script one more thing. We've talked about this a couple of times. It's come up in conversation is the Omaha challenge, um, which I know this is your, your first one here at Louisville. And it sounds like the format's changed a little bit. There's four different teams and you were one of the team captains this year. Um, what can we expect from your team and kind of walk us through your process when you were selecting your roster? I know you went with a, with a freshman with your first pick with Alex Elisea. Uh That's a, that's a pretty bold move with your, you know, taking <laughs> a freshman with your first pick. Uh, <laughs> how'd that go? Uh, all that go down. Um, so yeah, like you said, first time doing the all my challenge, um, not really sure what to expect, but I was just told that there is a lot of running involved. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, with my first rounder, I picked Alex and, and he is, he's one of the best runners on our team. Um, and he's, he's strong too, like sneaky strong, like obviously lifting with him and watching him lift. It's like a dude could move some weight. So, um, I kind of prioritized being able to run first and, and I mean, he can, he's got the, he's got some running stamina, man. Like he can, he can run. And the, and the two mile we did at the beginning of the year, I mean, he just dusted everybody. It was, it was, uh, it's cool. So, um, yeah, I was honestly, before I went through with it, I was like, do I, do I really, is there nobody else? Um, like any 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 older guys that have done the Omaha challenge before that might be better, but um uh no, I I decided to go with him. Um and I mean a freshman went right after him, you know, Zion went right after him. So yeah, that's right. um somebody else, you know, was thinking freshman first. So <laughs> Yeah, you know, I've obviously never done the Omaha challenge before, but every year they post, you know, videos and stuff on social media, the Louisville baseball account does, and it, it doesn't look like anything that uh, a fat 36 year old could do so uh i'm gonna sit behind my phone and watch you all compete instead of uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it'll be i'm looking forward to it and i think um although it is going to be tough and i am going to want to quit baseball during it um <laughs> it is it is it's going to be fun and um my team is 100% going to at least win the swim challenges. I can, I can promise you that. Um, I, did I you get, to, did you get Ty Stark? Uh, I did not get Ty Stark, but I used to swim yeah. in high school. So I can okay. almost guarantee, I almost, I can almost guarantee that, that we will win that. But for everything else, <laughs> I mean, I honestly just like, I picked guys that I like either came up and told me that like they were going to do well in a certain challenge or, or guys that can run. I think my whole team is pretty much formulated off of, guys that I know that can run and and uh, have some stamina. So so one final question here, and then uh, then we'll let you go. We asked this question to everybody that we've had on so far uh, um, during the fall that are the current players. Who are a couple of guys on the team, could be pitchers or hitters, that the fans may not be overly familiar with yet, but you think could be a big contributor to the 2024 team? Mm. Um, I am going to go with the two freshman pitchers that I've kind of bonded with the most, um, Parker Detmers and Colton Hartman. I think that they showed a lot of promise this fall. And I think that, 
you know, every freshman, especially pitchers, go through some growing pains. Um, and going from pitching against high school hitters to pitching against collegiate hitters. But um, those two went through their growing pains and, and, and got through them way, way quicker than I thought they were going to. And, and they showed a lot of promise this fall. And I was super impressed with, with how well they settled in. So I think um, you guys can expect to see them a lot, a lot in the spring. I think they will both get, a significant amount of innings. That's super good to hear and really refreshing because, as you know, you've been around college baseball long enough. You can never have enough arms in a bullpen. So oh, if you've yeah. got a couple, if you've got a couple younger arms that you can rely on to come get some big time outs, um, you know the it's just huge to have a couple extra guys in the back end of your bullpen or or a starter, depending on where they are. It, it's just the more arms you can have, the more success you're going to have in college baseball. Absolutely. Well, Sebastian, that is all that we have for you tonight. Um, again, we just want to thank you for coming on. I know you got a super busy schedule right now, um, but just appreciate you coming on. Good luck with the rest of the fall, and uh, good luck with the Omaha challenge, especially the swimming part. We don't. I don't want you to go out there and get embarrassed or something if you lose and <laughs> swim in high school. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just just appreciate you coming on tonight, man. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. This is awesome. Man, Aaron, I don't know about you, but listening to him talk makes me like more excited for February 16th. I, I, I just – I can't wait. I know it's only a couple months away, but I'm just ready to watch that dude get out there in the mountain and compete. You know, that was a ton of fun. You know, he – not going to lie, he's got me ready to run through a brick wall. Let, let's play some ball tomorrow. Let's, let's get it going right now. Listen, as long as I don't have to go through the Omaha Challenge, like I, I'm good to go. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> all right. Well, we appreciate you all joining us again for the fourth rendition of the offseason Diamond Dialogues. We still have plenty planned until February when baseball gets back in action. So we'll be back shortly with more. I'm Matt Sefcovic. This is Aaron Turner. And in the words of Sean Moth, we'll see you at the ballpark. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.